Welcome to the Housing Market Podcast. I am excited about the episode today. We get a chance to do something a little bit different and talk to two world-class mortgage lenders, Lori Richardson and Matthew Hibbler. Uh, They are awesome in Denver, Colorado. You're gonna get a chance to meet them, but they talk about several things. First of all, the power of a great relationship in our business. Second, you're gonna hear them talk about being uncomfortable and what you need to do in the business today to get your message out. But overwhelmingly, you're gonna hear how much they care about the business they do and the people they work with. So, you know, our goal at Keeping Current Matters is to give you the resources you need to be the expert to the clients you serve. And this podcast does it. So let's jump right in. Well, Lori and Matthew, I am excited to have you on the House and Market Podcast. Thanks for making time to join us uh, today. Absolutely. It's a pleasure. Listen, uh, I um, we had a chance to, to catch up before we started recording here, but um, I am grateful for it. The, the two of you represent, in, in my opinion, excellence in lending and, and have both have strong reputations, backgrounds, experience. Uh, as mortgage advisors and experts. And so uh, I'm excited to have you on the podcast today. And and before we get started, just maybe give people a sense, and Lori, maybe maybe go first, of your experience. You and I have known each other 20-plus years in the business. Give people, uh, you know, a sense you're in Denver, Colorado, and uh, in your business, and then Matthew as well uh, as, uh, as production partners there. Yeah. Uh, I Like you, you've said, I feel old when you say it that way, David, <laughs> that we've known each other that long. But the reality is I have been in the business for 37 years this year, which is crazy to say out loud. Uh, we are in Denver, Colorado, um, and I've been doing it for a long time. And Lori says 37 years, but what's great is that it just keeps energizing her. So it's like she's in her first year. It's so <laughs> cool to that. watch. Um, I'm in my 21st year. Uh, so long enough to see some market cycles, which yeah. is appropriate to our conversation today, um, and and got in. Matter of fact, when I entered the market, it was right after 9-11-2001, and the financial markets had a shift, and then I've been on this ride ever since. So, you know, interesting looking back on that. That is for sure. A lot of cycles and and the experience that both of you have in navigating that and helping people navigate um the process of financing for buying a home. So I'm grateful for you joining. And here was my my thought today, and here's what I hope uh, somebody walks away with, just an idea they can implement in their business. Certainly interested in your perspective on this market and, and the shifts that we're seeing as we wrap up the year here. You know, we started last five weeks, we've seen uh, mortgage rates fall each week. That's exciting. We wanna see more of that going into next year. But uh, give me a sense right now um, from your perspective on what, Lori, what production looked like for you back during, you know, what we've called it, KCM, the unicorn years. <laughs> and what's that looked like this year? Just to give people perspective of the number of families in in folks that you're helping right now. Yeah, and I'm a little bit of an anomaly there, David, because I have had some pretty serious health challenges over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, in the unicorn years, as you guys call them, I always love that term. Uh, I, yeah. We were closing, we were helping, you know, a couple hundred families every year, so somewhere between sixty and and you know, at a peak of a hundred million dollars. Um, like I said, I've kind of been on and off sabbatical for the last um, couple of years, and Matthew and his team have really um, jumped in to help. Um, we are, you know, we're still helping probably five families uh, a month right now. But I, again, for me, it's because I really have had to take a, a back seat and, and put my health first for a little while. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I hear that. Yeah. And uh, um, uh, Matthew, in in your production, talk about that just and what that's looked like over the last uh, couple of years as well. Well, thank you. Yeah, you know, those unicorn years, meaning just low rates and lots of mortgage volume, um, you know, $300 million I was responsible for in most of those years plus, which is a lot. It's a lot yeah. to provide high service levels behind is really the point there. Yeah. But, you know, when you say give a tip to those that are thinking about the market today, I really like that you used the term perspective a minute ago because it sounds maybe simple, but that is the biggest piece to to conducting a real estate or a mortgage business right now in the market well. It is shifting perspective. In the past, including the unicorn years, you know, clients come to realtors and they're excited. They get to think about 
how many bedrooms and bathrooms and maybe babies on the way and filling up those bedrooms and whatever the excitement is around buying real estate. And now, you know, the value of a mortgage lender, uh, I might sound biased here, but I really mean this. The value of a mortgage lender is way up. It's so much more important than it has been. When interest rates are 3%, mortgage, mortgage payments can slip right into somebody's budget. The payments are great. People buy real estate, they move, they shift. And now, you know, mortgage rates are more than doubled. And Lori and I talk a lot that the mortgage payment needs to become the budget, not fit it into the budget. <laughs> and you need a great lender that can look at a total financial picture and help people or guide them to an end goal where they can make the payment palatable in the market today. And it's a shift of perspective. Um, so realtors need to slow down and go, you know what? I knew some lenders that were doing just fine with interest rates of 3%, but where are the lenders that have the expertise? Because how they conduct themselves and speak to my client makes all the difference between a client going, I'm intimidated to, I can't wait to buy this house. Right, right. No, I think it's it's such a such a valuable point. You know, I've always said, and, and we felt like at KCM, the the best agent, the knowledgeable agent working with the knowledgeable and professional um, lender is the ultimate outcome for the client. So here's here's my question for both of you. I'd love your perspective on this because uh, I think folks probably fit into one of two camps. I have that relationship or I don't. Mm. And so if you have it, awesome, right? That That is really, really good. If you don't, whether you're an agent or you're a lender, how do you how do you go about finding I, I think it's one of the most critical questions David in in the business and like I said all of us on on this call and probably folks listening have been doing it for a long time um, and I think it's it, first you ask the question do I have it and evaluating those relationships right now has never been more critical Matthew and I talk about all the time we're literally creating deals that didn't exist before and we'll probably talk about strategies and tactics later in the call but it's really yeah. critical in our opinion and it goes both ways, right? We have to be working with real estate professionals on, on that side. They have to be working with lending professionals that are meeting the client where they are. We know that there's so much demand out there. There's fear, there's apprehension, there's anxiety. Sometimes there's excitement, but I think probably those first three emotions kind of are, are the overwhelming, like that's what I feel first when I think about buying a home is fear right. and apprehension. And so we have to find a way to connect with those clients and make them the hero of the story, right? Here, what is it that you're really trying to accomplish? Nobody, we know that nobody gets up and says, I wanna get a mortgage today, right? Said no one ever, right? right? They want the home, they wanna build their net worth, they wanna save for retirement, for kids' college education, all those things. Um, but we have to be thinking outside the box. And like I said, we'll probably talk strategy going forward, um, but thinking, what is our client asking? Like what's really important to them right now? And how can we really engage them in conversation so that they relax a little? That's what we really need is relax a little and let's talk about what really your goals are. And usually it is one of those things I mentioned, saving for retirement, creating you know financial freedom, uh, you know building wealth, whatever those are, real estate can be and is a very attractive way to do that even now. And so it's helping people shift from, um, okay, let's sift through the noise and really understand, yes, this, rates are higher than they've been in a very, very long time, but let's, let's, let's sort out the noise and figure out what the opportunity is to help you execute on what your true goal is and use a 7% rate to help you do it. So I think it's really asking the question, number one. Number two, listening to the folks that are in your marketplace that have a high level of expertise that care more about the client than they do about themselves, right? If they're out there, yeah. Beating their own drum, saying I'm, you know, I'm the best lender. Um, we, in our experience, those folks are concerned more about the the profit and the transaction than they are about the person. Um, right. So, really listening to some of the things that are being said out there, uh, and and then finding someone who has a heart to serve. That's awesome. I, I think that part about caring about the the client more uh, than anything else is is critically important. I know Matthew, you were going to say something. Yeah, thank you, David and Lori. That's that's a wonderful answer. You know, um, when you say, David, how do you find that relationship? Um, just like when you start your day, a lot of people find meditation and contemplation and they just clear their head. 
Well, do that with your real estate business. Or if you're a if you're a client or an investor in the real estate market, do that for yourself. Who can serve me better right now? Because it's critical. The value of an experienced lender full of wisdom is higher than it's ever been, that value. Right. And so a lot of realtors, um, you know, maybe they're intimidated when they talk to their client because they want to keep the client excited and engaged and in this happy spot. Well, well, question your client and say, you know, how did you find this lender? And you might be surprised with the answer. It might be, well, I walked into my bank and this person was there in the corner and I just talked to him or, you know, I went online, which, <laughs> which we hear about a lot. <laughs> right. and, and you know you're not being served as well when you find this lender online that you know nothing about or doesn't know the local marketplace. So, so what I'm trying to get to here is in, I'm encouraging, contemplate your business, align stronger with lenders. Uh, lenders are aligning stronger with the realtors that are professional. Right. I, I saw a stat, David. Um, I think the what, what they call the cancellation rate of, of real estate contracts or the fallout rate right. was like the highest it's been in, I don't know the number, I'm guessing 20 something years. Yeah. And when I think about that, why? Well, you know, the market is what it is and affordability is a challenge, of course. But I also think it's it's the people guiding that transaction. It's the realtor, it's the lender, you know, it might even be the insurance agent, it might be the title agent. It's this all-star team and lineup that's needed right now to help people see how real estate can be affordable because I'm very convinced that now is a wonderful time to buy. It makes all the difference and the fallout rates would be lower and so people scratch their head, what, what's up with the fallout rate? It must, must be inspection negotiation. I, I like to think, no, maybe a portion of that has to do with a home inspection or something like that. The rest of it has to do with the professionals behind the real estate contract. Right, right. And, and I would add, I would take it a step further. Do they know what they're doing? Do they know how to navigate this market? Uh, that's why deals fall out, mm-hmm. right, is, is folks aren't experienced. They haven't been through the cycles. They haven't been through the the situation. So let's let's talk about that. And then I want to get into Lori. Let, let's talk a little strategy here in just a minute. But tell me from from both of your perspectives, who, whoever wants to take this, talk to me about what you're seeing in the market right now. We went through the fall and we saw rates rise. Now we're seeing rates come down. I know you don't have a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. I, I can't see it right now. But tell me what you're seeing and tell me what you sort of see going into, you know, the spring uh, as we as we cross over into next year? You're right. When I look back, let's just say six months through the summer, rates were the highest level they've been in 23 years. Right. So we hit that point. I think the average mortgage rate uh, across the country crested above 8%. And um, there's a lot of psyche behind, okay, what does 8% mean? And then, of course, there's a mortgage payment that results that looks high. So I like to segment, David, a good answer to your question into, you know, there's demographic that we're serving first time home buyers and then those that are moving into different pieces of real estate. So what we're seeing in the market when I kind of separate demographic is, you know, first time buyers are looking at how do I enter in the market? I hear I can create wealth. I hear it's a good thing. And I hear I can paint the bedroom wall, whatever color I want versus my rental. But but then they, they get with the lender and the lender says, hey, your mortgage payment, say two years ago at 3%, maybe it was going to be $2,500 a month. Now it's $4,500 a right. month or whatever the example is. Um, and then at that moment, whether the buyer, uh, the first time buyer admits it or not, they freeze. And so then what we're seeing in the market, or at least the guidance that I'm giving here again, is when you were paying rent, you were also saving money on top of that to then get into the housing market with a down payment. Well, if you accomplish the housing purchase, you might not have to save as much. So why are you comparing simply just the rent payment to your mortgage payment? How much were you saving on top of your rent? And then let's let's compare that to this quote unquote higher mortgage payment that you're now faced with. And then the light bulbs start to go off and you know, we just when, when you say, what are you seeing in the market in those summer months when rates were 8%, conversations like that took a long time and people were then really appreciative. But I call it every conversation was a heavy lift. Right, right. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't just a 15-minute call. You got a 3% rate, run out there and buy something. It was like, hey, wait, who are you? How can I serve you? Like Lori said earlier, what's your goal? 
But now let's really break down your budget. And, and hopefully by the end of us establishing some rapport in our conversation, you'll trust me because I want to give you good guidance, right? Um, and then the move up buyers, you know, they're comparing what they had versus what they're going to get into. And, then, and that's rough, you know, right? Right now. <laughs> oh, oh man, is it rough? Yes. You know, there's a housing inventory shortage. So, uh, you know, that's a basis for a lot that I say right now. It, it looks like we're going to be in a perpetual housing shortage for who knows, a decade, right. 12, 15 years, who knows? Um, of course, the builder partners of ours like that and it benefits them, but but that's besides the point. So, you know, we, we do think any real estate investment, if you're guided well, will be a good one and you'll end up with a lot of equity down the line here. Um, but yeah, it's rough. So some of those people, even though the housing inventory is short, this is a little bit tough to say right now, but those that want to buy a different piece of real estate, some of them were encouraging to convert their house they were living into a rental potentially, because if that cash flow per month, rent versus mortgage payment, can help offset this new higher mortgage payment, of course, you have to have money to put down that's not trapped in your current home equity, and that's a whole nother topic. But you know, as you can see, Lori and I go in lots of directions when we have these talks. <laughs> right. There's just a lot of ways to then create this next piece of real estate at an eight or now seven percent interest rate, um, where we can help people figure out how can I afford this thing. So when you say, "Gosh, it's rough to contemplate," what do I have now, and what can I move up to? It is, but there's some tactics that we're using, like renting your house, or maybe your equity position is now bigger and your down payments larger on this new house. And let's clear out your other debt and make this mortgage payment your whole budget. Right. Now no, it's affordable. It's a, it's, a, it's a great point. And when I say it's tough, I think certainly the inventory issue, um, we, we all, people listening to podcasts certainly are familiar with that. Anybody that's mm -hmm. in the business is familiar with that. The tough part comes if you know I'm sitting in my home and I've got two and three quarter, three percent, thirty year fixed, and now I'm looking at moving up and and that. The, the, I'm interested in both of your perspectives on two things. One, the enormous amount of people in this country, and we've talked about it extensively at KCM, that have a great mortgage rate on their home, and good for like that is amazing for homeowners across the country. Um, What's the impact of that going forward? And I love your perspective on that. And second, the impact going forward of the tremendous amount of equity in homes today, because they both they both will be put to work. And I agree with you. I think if somebody has a home and they've got a um, a preferred interest rate, they're going to keep it. I don't know if they're going to sell it. They're going to try to convert it to a rental. Are you seeing that? And mm -hmm. and what are you seeing in those two areas? In 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 folks with the rates and and um, in equity. We're seeing a lot of folks with very, very low interest rates. And, and as Matthew kind of alluded to, I do think that some people will become what we call accidental landlords, right? They didn't purchase this home thinking, okay, I'm going to keep this forever and then I'm going to rent it out. And But for so many folks, David, it's helping to build their net worth by going, oh, wait, I maybe there is equity in my home that I can release and purchase something else while maintaining that residence and keeping that low rate. We're going to see a lot of that. Um, we're also seeing some folks that are, um, as Matthew alluded to, uh, it, looking at it from a, we're kind of pulling back and going, okay, yes, you have a great rate. But what people are forgetting when they think through their interest rate on their home is their overall global debt rate, right? We call it the household blended debt rate. If you look at someone um, that has a, let's just let's just call it a three and a half percent interest rate. However, they've gone through the recession, they've gone through the pandemic, and now they've got other debts that they that are in their life and they can't, there's no real plan, right? When there's a plan to pay it off in three months, okay, no big deal, who cares? But we're finding a lot of our clients don't have that ability. So we're taking a look and saying, okay, what is your, what is your actual global debt rate on your entire, uh, all of your debt? And can we either refinance you into something to lower the amount of interest that you're paying to help you with cash flow and, and sometimes liquidity, right? We've got a lot of clients that, that have that lack liquidity because the market has shifted a lot. They've got a lot of equity in their home, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, and so it may be time to reposition some of that equity to help them with, you know, from a cash flow perspective and, and a liquidity and a safety perspective now. 
Um, but we're also looking at, for some clients, what would it look like if you were to either keep that property as a rental, like we said before, become an accidental landlord, or sell it and actually move up to something. Let's, let's pull back and look at it five years, 10 years down the road. Even if you gave up your three, let's say somebody doesn't have the ability or doesn't have the desire to keep that home and buy something different, we, based on what we know and what we've learned a lot from you and Steve over the years about what we anticipate happening with home equity and appreciation over the years, does it make more sense for me to sell my $700,000 home right now and purchase, let's just say a $900,000 home because I'm bursting at the seams. I had more kids, I went through a divorce, I, you know, now I'm, something has changed in my financial life. And if I look at it from a net worth perspective five years down the road, owning that larger home based on what we anticipate happening with home appreciation, essentially what we've seen for the last 70 years in the US economy, does it make more sense for us to consider giving up that lower rate in order to build wealth over time? And that's totally counterintuitive to the way that people think. People think, ah, I can't afford to buy a bigger home because I have this great rate. And sometimes it's actually the opposite of that, helping them build their net worth means getting rid of that home, getting rid of that interest rate, because we can use the, the collective debt more effectively and more efficiently to help them build their wealth. Um, I, I want to ask you a question on that. The, the great perspective on a different way to look at a challenge that many people are facing. What are you using to help show people that? The, the the blended household blended debt yeah, rate. Yeah, we have a we have a couple of tools that we use. Um, MBS Highway has an amazing tool called a blended debt calculator, and it just it's a very simple. We can all print it out on our HPs, but it's a very simple way to show people here's all of your debts and you can put in literally line by line what each debt is and it actually does a, a weighted average of all of that debt and we've got some debt consolidation tools where we can actually play uh and also from um our great friends at mbs highway uh where we can actually play with it and say okay let's look at all of your debt what do you have let's put in your mortgage at three and a quarter let's put in your car loan at six and a half percent let's put in your credit cards which i'm sad to say the average in the united states right now is 27%, which is such a huge number. Uh, and then Crazy. we can play around with it. And we can go, what if we pay off this debt? What if we pay off this debt? What if we leave this debt? And it help, and they can literally watch that household blended debt rate in front of their eyes going, oh my gosh. Then from there, typically we will go into a mortgage coach edge, a, a total cost analysis, taking that information saying, okay, now, now that we know that, what would it look like if we were to reposition that that debt or that equity some other way, whether it's a cash out refinance, whether it's a, you know, a keep this home and buy up, whether it's sell this home and buy up. We're using those two tools from from both of those to really give a visual, an accurate, an accurate visual of how it can help them grow their net worth. Because the nice thing about both of those tools is it shows them in real time, what would it look like if we repositioned this today, in one year, in three years, in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years, whatever term we want to look at, what does it do to your net worth to make some of these moves and decisions now? It's so great, uh, Lori. I'm going to piggyback on that because it's exactly where lenders need to be right now. And, you know, David, when you evaluate what happened to the housing market the last three years, those that owned a home, likely their home appreciated a lot. Right. Americans, Americans are equity rich. Um, you know, those that have owned, say, longer than two or three years. And they forget because there's no bank statement that, that arrives in your mailbox every month that says, here's your equity as a statement. You don't know. It's kind of this invisible number. Well, you know, just to piggyback again on some of Lori's points that are wonderful, consumer debt has hit historically high levels. Inflation has taken its toll on, on all of us. Right. I mean, uh, home equity line usage and, uh, and applications the last couple of years have been the highest they've ever been. And by the way, those rates are indexed against the federal funds rate, and the Fed hiked that sky high. Right. You know, so the the average home equity line is nine to ten percent. On top of that, consumer debt with credit cards hit well over a trillion dollars, first time in history, because inflation took its toll. Gas was more expensive, groceries, everything you were doing. So with equity rich, you know, being part of our picture in America, with consumer debt at historically high levels. 
marrying those two right now is really wise and mortgage lenders can do that. Financial advisors, arguably, they might forget about home equity wealth when they're evaluating the portfolio of their clients. And so with, with this blended rate piece, you know, people, people like to have a number. People like to have a credit score, for example. Like, I'm an 800 and I'm very proud. Right. right? They, they make themselves a number. Well, we can make you a number with your blended household rate. Your credit card's at 22% or 27%. Your home equity line's at 10%. And your mortgage is at three. We're going to put all that together in our tool. Here's your number. You're actually a six. You're a six and a half percent blended household rate even though you're still touting this 3% mortgage rate, that's just part of your picture. And so that's the tool that's moving people to, hey, mortgage lender, help me. I, I haven't admitted it. it. You know, the other thing about admitting consumer debt, it's like going to the doctor, David. You know, I'm in my 40s and when I go to the doctor, I'm getting something checked out. I don't also go like, my elbow hurts and my knee hurts. I kind of <laughs> right. hide that because I'm right. proud. Well, it's the same thing with debt. Consumers call their mortgage lender and they talk about their house, but like your credit card hurts and your your equity line balance hurts a little bit. And unless you talk to somebody who is an expert and cares like Lori and I, you're not going to scratch the service on that and get to this point where we can use a blended rate tool and help you evaluate your mortgage wherewithal or your financial wherewithal. Yeah. So. It's such a good point of, of the things that we all have, whether it be debt or things like that, that we're like, ah, I'd rather not talk about that yeah. or whatever the, so you know, the situation may be. Most real estate agents know what's happening. Good agents understand what's happening. But great agents, they can explain what's happening. At Keeping Current Matters, we help real estate agents become experts. With market insights and marketing tools, you'll not only stand out, You'll thrive in any market. Keeping current matters. Be the expert. What What do you see uh, going into next year? What's it going to look Lord. like from a from a mortgage perspective? To the degree that you uh, can say, I hear that sigh. Yeah, <laughs> I was just thinking I'm going to get my magic eight ball. I'll be right back, um, <laughs> which I actually have. Um, I think, but I think it, that again, it's a great question. And I think it's really, there's so much going on in our industry right now. And I think again, for us, we want to help people seize the opportunity in the marketplace. And like I said, when I got into the business, you guys have heard me tell this story many times, rates were at 18 and a half percent. 18 and a half percent. There used to be a what was called a max VA rate back then where you couldn't charge higher than a certain amount. Right. And it was 18 and a half percent when I got into the business. Um, so like Matthew said, we've seen a lot of these cycles. And there have been times where we, we have told our people, like, it may not make sense to buy a home right now. This is not one of right. those times. And as we're looking ahead, we're really doubling down with our clients right now, just trying to unearth what some of their financial goals are right now. We're asking our question, our calls, our um, clients, sorry, it's been a long morning. We're asking our clients four questions right now. Number one is okay. from a, um, a cash flow perspective right now, how are you doing, right? If we just ask that question and just kind of shut up and let them talk, that's where we're finding people that have challenges with cash flow, right? Um, we are asking, you know, what are there any new debts that you've taken on? Um, question number two. Question number three, how are you doing from a liquidity standpoint? As we head into a recession, cash is king, right? Nobody ever woke up and said, you know, gosh, I just am, I'm feeling uneasy because I have too much cash, said no one ever, right? Except for maybe from an investment perspective, right? It should be deployed somehow. Um, and then the fourth question is, what goals do you have going forward, right? Either through the end of this year into 24, 25, the next five years. And asking those questions of our current clients right now is helping us find people with needs. Now, the funny thing is almost every single person that we talk to, David, in my case, um, almost every single person has some kind of need. Um, we talked to people that um, had a client with some a conversation with a client the other day who clicked the wrong button on a tool that we, um, on a HomeBot um, Real Estate Wealth Digest. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry, I clicked the wrong button. I'm like, it's okay, tell me, you know, and we kind of walked through the four questions. And she is now um, pre-approved, getting ready to make an offer this weekend on a new construction home because she's outgrown her home. 
it was in the back of her mind, but she didn't, it really wasn't at the forefront of her mind until we actually started probing and asking those questions. So I think in terms of what we see going forward, um, we aren't, and I'll let Matthew speak to the rate piece, but we are anticipating that we will see rates drop. We know that rates follow inflation over time. But I think the other piece for us in looking forward is, is, as you guys both alluded to, we're sitting in a time in the United States where, where People have a massive amount of home equity. Um, we also have folks that that do have debt, and there are are options and things that we can do to help them with that. But I also think about the the not so much the millennials anymore, but Gen Z. Right? We've got this generation. I've got my daughter is twenty three years old, and she's kind of looking at okay, how do she's been saving for a condo since she was eight, um, but she's looking out at this landscape, going, gosh, how am I going to do this? Right. We need to be able to find ways to, again, meet those people or those kids. I'm going to call them kids because I have one in that age group um, who want to build wealth. I look at, you know, the way that I was able to um, could have retired many, many years ago because I bought real estate at an early age and it really shifted the way that I was able to retire. We want to take that to these Gen these Gen Zers uh, and the millennials. At a, at a time that's really challenging for them, but their parents have a ton of, of amount of equity in their homes as well. And there are ways that we can come together with those folks. Um, Dave Savage started a company called First Home IQ, and their mission right. is solely to help this new generation of students um, and and probably teachers, if we're, if we're realistic about it, um, become really, really smart about buying a home and understanding how it can help them build their net worth. So I think the it's kind of a long answer to a short question, but um, what we see going forward is finding ways to bring that message of financial literacy to the marketplace and help them access different ways, think outside the box and find, again, a different perspective on how we can look at this to help them achieve their goals, which is typically building wealth, right? There are lots of different forms of that over time. So it's really meeting them where they are in in the throes of an industry that, you know, it's it's been challenging. We've seen a lot of people get out of the business. I think that's probably going to continue. Um, but that means that the folks that are in it to win it have to be really creative and thinking of ways to help people shift their perspective. It's really good. Yeah. 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 And I love all of that. And Lori and I speak the same. Um, what I'd put, you know, on top of that to kind of make these points as clear as possible, because we're passionate about these points, um, is that next year, the real estate market will be busier. That's my forecast. That's my guess. It's my opinion. Sure. Um, now why? Well, when I look at this last year, this year, 2023, Mortgage rates kind of hovered in the spring in the sixes, and then we crested up. We went into the sevens for a while. We hit eight. There was a point within all of that. I want to say it was early summer where the mortgage rates were at seven and a half, and they came back down quickly to 6.8 on average, 30-year fixed average APR. And the phones got busier. That was the break point. You know, we've seen a break point. So, like, you could probably track that, I'm sure, uh, keeping current matters has those stats, but like mortgage applications, they sank once we hit the high sevens. They picked up when we hit seven or six point eight, and then you know they they sank again or they you know they went down. The stats went down again with mortgage applications and phone calls. You know, going into this next year, I think investors want to buy mortgage-backed securities. They're safe. They're performing. There's like literally no default. Investors like mortgage-backed securities. They like the bonds. They want to buy them. It's a safe haven if we hit this mild recession or whatever we experience this year. So knowing that investment dollars will be there, as long as the government doesn't continue to flood us with more bonds, you know, because we have a budget within our federal government to meet, as long as we don't get flooded, which I don't think we will, um, and mortgage rates sort of stay on this slow roll down, that's that break point that we kind of experienced in 2023 where mortgage application volume went up. So should should investors show up for us and buy mortgage-backed securities? Should we end up in that mid to high six range this spring, 2024? I do think mortgage application volume will stay up. I think those buyers will enter the market and I think real estate transactions will happen. And before we move on to, from it, I just wanted to revisit real quick 
you know, when people look at the real estate they own now, it's it's short-sighted typically as far as financial literacy and what homeowners understand about their real estate investment. Uh, David, a, a, a couple filing together um, as married can see $500,000 of home appreciation on their house. And when they sell, they can take that without a capital gains tax. And somebody that's single or an individual filing a loan, they can see $250,000 right now, as per IRS code right now, could always change. They can see that tax-free. So a lot of clients call us and they go, I have a 3% rate, you know, I'm never moving. I'm like, yeah, but the last three years, your home appreciated and you're actually now at the ceiling of what your tax-free appreciation is on your house. Did you think about the fact that you could sell, take your you know, tax-free monies, appreciation or equity, roll it, start the clock over right. on a new piece of real estate at a higher interest rate, and then you could see another two hundred dollars or $500,000 in, in tax-free or capital gain-free tax income or return. And so your, your investment's ripe. I like to use that term. It's your house is ripe. You should probably put it back into the market, create inventory and buy something else. If anything, just start the clock again on tax-free dollars that are free capital gains. Such, such a good point. It's, it's so good. I appreciate you sharing that with people listening because I think there's this idea at times that can happen with somebody who owns a home where they say, we bought our home, we have a mortgage, and we don't need to do anything until we think we're going to buy again down the road. No, by the way, what you just said, we're never going to do that. You know what I mean? It's, or, or, or that, or that um, this is my forever home. David. Right. People say that, you know, and I think, I think people learn that from the baby boomer generation that where, you know, they bought a home and uh, appreciation wasn't happening as fast because right. you bought your house at $200,000 or, you know, and so people thought they'd never hit that cap gain free tax uh, amount. But, you know, that forever home com- conversation, I like to get to pe- get people where they're lighthearted about that comment and we laugh about it and I explain the tax consequence and what they're really saying to me. And then they have more financial literacy as a result. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's, it's very interesting. And I've brought this up so many times whether I'm speaking to a group of agents, uh, Thousand Watt, which is a uh, you know marketing and branding consultancy and and real estate business, do a phenomenal job. They did a survey of potential sellers, those that just said we might, and two out of three were more likely to do something after they had had a conversation, mm-hmm. right? Somebody and and it's opening their eyes to what these are the possibilities. This is what you need to be considering. So I appreciate you sharing that because I know they're people listening that that maybe you're um, maybe you're a lender or an agent that doesn't have that perspective right now or, or, or that partner I want to I want to wrap up on a couple of things and I want to I want to talk a little bit of strategy from one perspective I'd love both of your um, uh, just your thought on this we're, we're wrapping up the year. We're going to move into January, a time where a lot of people in our business go, okay, I want to make this the best year ever. I want to I want to do things differently. From a strategy perspective, what are you both thinking about right now as we go into next year? And, and to your point, we are in a demand-based environment based on rate, right? And we have that. If you remember um, at KCM, we published sort of, sort of overlaid demand with um, with where rates are, and we will move into that. There is no doubt, and we, and we will see that next year. Um, to what extent, we don't know. In timing, we don't know that. But from a from a strategy perspective, what's on your mind going into next year? Um, it's a, another great question, David. You're the king of them. Um, from my perspective, we are looking at um, listening really deeply right now. Um, I believe in my heart spring home buying season for 24 starts right now. And and yeah. how that starts is us doing a great job of understanding and listening to where our clients are right now. We know that there is more need than we can fulfill. Um, as Matthew said, we're going to be in a, in a, in a low inventory environment for quite the foreseeable future, as you guys talk about all the time. So helping our clients really understand the value of again kind of pulling back and as as Matthew mentioned about looking at you know your tax free gain 
what a shift for some people to think, oh my gosh, I don't have to pay taxes on $500,000 of, you know, of, of my, my gain could be a game changer for the way that they're able to retire later. So for us, I would say it's, we're continuing down the path of really listening hard and leaning in and asking maybe some of the more challenging questions um, and finding ways that we can, we're, we're using the buy down. We started talking about this at the very beginning. The, the tactics are gonna change, right? The strategy is how can we care for people and help them achieve what they are trying to accomplish? When Matthew is asking about the tax-free capital gain, it isn't necessarily, yes, they end up with financial literacy, which is a great, uh, a great outcome, but it's really, help me to understand what your financial goals are in the long run, right? It's to build right. your wealth over time and, and selling your home right now and getting rid of your three and a half percent interest rate might actually do a better job for you. So it's really understanding that piece of it and then helping like a tactic we're using right now is we're spending a lot of time with people agents and clients alike really trying to bridge the gap between like a great example is the buy down right now right there's a lot of agents trying to solve the affordability issue which we know is there with a price right. reduction right a ten thousand dollar price reduction saves 65 dollars a month right is that approaching affordability maybe maybe not but a buy down can really, whether it's a permanent rate buy down, whether it's a temporary buy down, and there's there's a there's a we can make a case for both depending on the actual situation, but helping them really understand and bridge that gap and understanding the correlation of what they are doing to affordability. Affordability is the uh, is this is the issue we are trying to solve for right now, and there's lots of different tools that we can use in our you know per, toolbox to do that but right. it's understanding where they are and knowing we need to know every single one of our clients what their goals are where they want to be in the next two years five years ten years in my opinion because there will be times to execute um you know on all of that over the next year and then then the year after that yeah david your your question of you know looking at this next year it's almost january and planning i will admit um I'm uncomfortable more so than I've been in a long time. And here's why I'm more proactive on outbound phone calls and conversations and videos out to the public than I have ever been before. And for a lot of people that's uncomfortable. Now I've, I say that I'm pretty comfortable. I can get on a camera and uh, that's probably lucky. I'm blessed. I'm also blessed that the last, I don't know, 17 years, I played defense every year. People were calling me. I was I, I worked hard, I guess. I, I was lucky to have this awesome reputation. And the phones rang. And I was just trying to figure out how to field those calls and get those clients and customers and realtors answers as quick as possible, right? And now here we are. And in 2024, um, sort of my mantra going in is be proactive. Outbound, not inbound. Offense, not defense, you know? And so, you know, speaking to the community that I'm a part of, real estate, mortgage lenders, I'm a lender, of course. Um, it's really out of the comfort zone, be proactive, pick up the phone. I believe that our clients need us now more than they've ever needed us before. We just talked about consumer debt being the highest it's ever been. Interest rates are high. They need scheme and tactic and philosophy. Um, they, they're sitting on a lot of equity, whether they realize it or not, because it's that silent Right. wealth that you have no bank statement for that proactivity is so important so when i make a call and i show a client that i'm caring for them i'm not just sitting back waiting for them to call me when they think they need a mortgage <laughs> right that that's the mantra and it's different david i have not had to be in that space for a long time right well i i think the reality is is, is most people in our business have it yeah that's the, the, the there's a there's a term in um, economics they call anchoring bias, which is I remember what the last couple of years have been like, and this feels different. When the reality is, this is the more normal, the more you know, the more operational. And, and, I, and I hear you in that, Matthew. And and it's in our business. I think we all have gotten used to. We put, we, we, we put ourselves out there or we say we're going to do it. And the, the job now is just who wants to, who wants to transact, right? Who, who wants to buy or sell a home? Who wants to borrow? Um, and it's different going into next year. And I agree with you a thousand percent. And I appreciate what you both have shared over the last, you know, few minutes of Lori from listening well going into next year. 
to doing things differently, to putting yourself out there and to being proactive and having those conversations that, oh, by the way, are uncomfortable right now with some people. They have questions. The affordability question is a hard question. You have to have a perspective on it. You have to have perspective on where we're at right now, where we're going, and and how can we help given that. And one thing I'd add, David, just based on what you just said, is using tools like KCM, right, and Bridge Builders. Having access to the data that you guys provide is what gives us confidence and what shifts shapes our perspective, right? You give us the data, we can hyper-localize it, right? And help our clients actually understand that. But knowing all of those stats and then using social media, as Matthew said, I watched a great um, video on an, actually an attorney of all things. He has 7 million followers on social between uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook just amazing to me. And he started in February. In in January, he had 2,000 followers, and now he has 7 million followers. And all he does is these great, his name is Jefferson Fisher. Uh, I'd highly recommend you follow him on Instagram. I just met him this morning. Um, But he he just goes on and does literally 45 second videos on he's a personal injury attorney of all things and he just goes on and creates things like how to deal with a hothead and he he's really great at communication you'll see that from watching his his reels uh, but he's just finding a way to add value to the folks uh, you know, that he serves. And I think it's the same for us. If we can take your information, your new product with the, you know, breaking down the, um, the bullet points and really kind of basically spoon feeding it to us is amazing at being able to take that information and chunk it down into bite-sized pieces. It's one of the things I've always loved about KCM. There's so much going on in our industry, but if we can't take it and make it digestible and understandable for a client, they, you know, when we don't know what to do, oftentimes we do what? Nothing, right? But taking a tool like that to be able to have those talking points as the market continues to shift and evolve, absolutely game changer. But taking that and getting it out on social media and being somebody who just adds value, I think is going to be huge in 2024. Yeah, no doubt. And I appreciate you sharing that and and Matthew, you sharing that about being uncomfortable in that. I want to I want to wrap and, and I'm so grateful for both of you joining. I could continue this conversation and you've given people ideas they can use going forward. But I want to say this, I want to give you just a if you're listening, a, a little perspective on where we sit based on what you both just said. Um, we have the ability in today's world to do that, to broadcast ourselves. The the person that you found this morning, who was it again, Lori? Fisher. Oh, now I forgot his last name. What did I say, Matthew? Wait. I'll find it. Jefferson Fisher. Yes, Jefferson, Jefferson Fisher. Fisher. Thank you. So uh, I don't, don't, don't know. I'm not following him, um, but but I hear you in that. He has the ability, we all do, to broadcast ourselves today. We didn't have that five or 10 years ago. So true. We have it today because here's the truth. The story is being told out there in different forms of media, and it's not good for us at times. We have the chance to change that. This will be, I heard a stat the other day, the first presidential election cycle we go into next year that podcasters will have more influence this election cycle than <sighs> traditional media. <sighs> Think about that from just a, it makes sense, right? People totally. are listening in different ways. People are getting information in different ways. Or you're, you're, you're learning from something you saw, not from a documentary you turned on, or not to say you can't learn from something like that, but we have that opportunity today. And that is an amazing thing. Um, and our goal at KCM is to give you the tools and the resources so that you go out and do that. So yeah. I am grateful for the time. Matthew, I don't I don't want to cut you off there. I don't know if you have any final thoughts, either one of you, but thank you for for joining the podcast today. Uh, it's such a pleasure. Yeah, we appreciate you having us on so that we can share some wisdom. We do hope these tips help, David, at the end of the day. We're, you know, really, Lori and I, we have the, we both have hearts to serve and help. And um, so if some of those tools can be implemented into real estate agents and lenders tool belts and for the greater good, you know, home buyers are on a better path. Mission accomplished as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, agreed. 
I'll just add two things. One, uh, Steve taught me years ago, what we hear in the media isn't necessarily always true. One of my clients who's a news anchor um, said last, it was it was right during the pandemic and I was really frustrated by some of the information I was seeing and then watching you know the news and it was almost like a complete dichotomy, like complete opposite of what I was seeing. And I actually talked to Steve about it uh, and Barry Habib and, and just said, oh, I'm so confused. And I said something to this news anchor. And she said, Lori, you have to remember that our job as as news folks uh, is to sell more news. Now, hopefully we're yeah. telling the truth, but our real goal is to sell more news, which means scare the bejesus out of me at 6 a.m. So I'm back at 6 p.m. to right. learn, you know. So I think using tools like KCM and a lot of the tools that we use is really just laying out the information, right? And letting people make really good educated decisions uh, and helping them get to where they want to be. Um, and I would say to kind of to your point before, if you are a real estate agent and you don't have a lender who's bringing you tools actively going, hey, here's what our clients are feeling and facing right now. Here's a way that we can help them shift their perspective and not to sell them something, but help them Let's help them focus on the end game, right? My end game is I want to retire by whatever. I want to have saved enough you know, money to put my kids through college, whatever. Let's focus on that. And if your lender isn't bringing you those tools right now in this market, um, then that's when you start looking, like you said at the very beginning, David. What you know? What questions do you ask? And 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 you hit it on the head. If you don't have that relationship, and it's the same thing with us on the on the real estate side. If we are not working with agents who are saying, "Look, success comes to those who work hard," right? Um, we will we will all fail. And so, as Matthew alluded to, there's never been a more important time to have those partnerships in our relationships because we truly believe that th good things come to those who hustle. And now's the time to be hustling. So, thanks for taking the that time is for with sure. us. Thank you, thank you. And I want to tell you both from everybody listening. I know there are things uh, that people will take away from this, and they'll be able to implement in their business. They'll be able to make a difference ultimately in folks that are buying uh, homes, selling homes right now. You know, there's a wall in our office here at KCM that says we believe every family should feel confident when buying and selling a home. That's what drives us. Mm -hmm. And so thank you for joining today and focusing on that. We're grateful for it. Well, that was awesome. It was so good to, to get a chance to catch up with Lori. She and I have known each other for years and have Matthew join that conversation as well. And I hope you took something away from it. And if you don't have the relationship with a lender, or if you're a lender, you don't have the relationship with a great agent, that you will use this podcast as motivation to go out and build that relationship. You know, we believe at Keeping Current Matters that every family should feel confident when buying and selling a home. And that is our goal. So, do this. If you like this podcast, go in and like, subscribe to How's the Market podcast, and please share it with someone you know that could benefit from it. 